Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. My name is Alex Faust, your host today of Conversations at the Edge. And I'm very excited to be joined today by Karen Kopp. And if you're not familiar with Karen, she is the chief door opener at Kopp Consulting. Her door opening service has helped thousands of businesses uh, and business leaders and salespeople secure initial meetings with executives in almost every major company. And that's exactly why we've asked her to join us today. She's a best-selling author of Path to the Cash and Biz Dev Done Right, as well as a nationally recognized speaker. So we're thrilled to have her joining us today. And Karen, welcome back to Conversations at the Edge. And where are you calling in from today? Today, I'm in uh, Lauderdale-by-the-Sea, Florida. Well, I want to jump right in. And, you know, the world of business development changed drastically over the past two years. And so since you're running a team of business developers who do business development for other companies every day, I'm curious what you're finding um, your door openers are working on and working well uh, for you and your team today. Yeah, so certainly things have changed. In fact, Throughout the pandemic, as I was giving business development presentations, like the biggest presentation I was giving was building and rebuilding your sales pipeline in a virtual world, which I believe I gave for you as well. But about every six weeks, what was working was changing and I was bringing new information. What we do is we're we're gathering all of the data from all of our door openers who represent other companies and get the first meeting for our clients with their executive level prospects. So we're tracking what's working, what's not working. And if you take away nothing else from what I say today, what's working now is conversation, but that's not what most sellers are doing. Most sellers are still working with email, hiding behind email, but really what's working is conversation. When we go to get these executive level meetings, we're choosing the exact right group of prospects. We're saying something that's really meaningful, whether it's email or a voicemail or live dialogue. And then we're asking for that meeting. As we're tracking the different activities that our door openers are doing, we are seeing that more meetings are set as a result of a live conversation than email. So what does that mean for you? If you're just doing email alone, the likelihood is the competitors of yours who are calling your prospects also may be riding on your co- the coattails of your email and getting those meetings that should belong to you. Conversation throughout the sales process is critical, not just in getting the first meeting, but later on too. Like there was one of the sellers who was asked for um, a proposal, but instead of asking for a conversation to ask high gain, we would call them high gain questions about what needs to be part of that proposal in order to make it easy for the decision maker to say yes, the seller didn't do that. The seller avoided the conversation created the proposal without having any additional insights and then just sent it off and then wondered why he didn't get a response from the prospect for two weeks. And when we say, okay, what's happening with the prospect? Well, I haven't heard back. Well, the reason why you haven't heard back is because there wasn't a conversation in the beginning. So, and then to send the proposal 
ahead of time means you don't get a chance to present it live and hear what are the objections that are coming up so that you can revise the proposal, send it out and get another next step date and time so that you can answer questions and talk about next step. So conversation is really what's working right now, but Alex, it's just not what sellers are doing. So obviously the the approach changed a little bit when COVID first started. People were all moving to remote. Now that people are kind of heading back into the office, is the approach changing again or are we kind of sticking with the same trends in terms of conversations? Yeah, so as people are starting to return to the office, it's I'm seeing much more of a hybrid than people going to the office every day. What does that mean? That means cell phone is still going to play a key role. Uh, one of the things that we recommend if you don't have somebody's cell phone number and you get a meeting with that person, even if it's somebody that you know, a current customer or whatever, you can say to them, listen, just in case the technology fails, let's exchange cell phone numbers. And so what does that do for you? Well, in the beginning of the pandemic, the technology was failing fairly often. Now it's not failing anymore, but by using that request, it gives you not only their cell phone number, but also permission to use it. So let's say somebody doesn't show up right at the, the stroke of 12 for your 12 o'clock meeting. You can wait a couple of minutes and then text them. I'm on the Zoom line. Are you able to join? And all of a sudden, oh, I forgot I was late. Or you can reschedule it using text. People are often on calls now, back to back to back to back. Alex, I don't know if that describes your calendar, but it certainly describes mine. I may not have time to call somebody back, but I will see the text. And then I can reach back out to them and say, I can't talk to you today. I can talk to you tomorrow. Another great one is um, asking, using text to ask for a 10-minute call at the end of the day. This is great. Let, let's say you've submitted a proposal and you're waiting to hear back, or you just have one more thing to add, some new information that might sweeten the pot for them, make you even more valuable. You could, you could text somebody and say, how about 10 minutes at the end of the day? And often people will say yes to 10 minutes when they won't say yes to a full meeting if that's not quite appropriate. I can go on and on with these, Alex. It's just a matter of how many you want. <laughs> no, these, these have been great. Um, I do want to hit on, on retention uh, as well, because I know that with this great resignation and increasing costs with inflation, many leaders in our community are struggling to attract great talent that they can actually afford. And so I'm curious what you're seeing here um, in the business development world and if it's, if it's similar. Well, it's interesting because my company, Cop Consulting, has been around for 22 years. I mean, it's, I can't believe it's actually been that long. I was the first door opener, and now we have 30-something door openers, all of a senior level. So to work here, our people have to have a minimum of 10 years experience in business development, but most of them have more like 15 or 20. Many have been corporate decision makers. And this is the caliber of the sales talent that we have representing our clients out in the market, which is really important because our clients all wanna get in at the executive level. And that requires a different kind of sales talent. What's fascinating about the way that my company grew and what's happening now is that there, there are certain salespeople out there who 
still want to be in sales. They're like crackerjack at getting the door open. They're crackerjack at sales, but they don't want to work 60 hours anymore and get paid for 40 in a full-time job. That is something that I've known for a long time. And our people work a part-time project-based schedule. What does that mean for the people on this call? If you're looking for retention, you're looking for talent, consider offering people a flexible work schedule where they may only want to work 30 hours. Now, a lot of people have made decisions about how they want to live their lives. Like, look at me, I want to live at the beach six months a year. A lot of people don't want to work full time anymore, but they're very senior, they're great salespeople, and you can attract them if you offer them the ability to work remotely, if you offer them the ability to have a flexible schedule, or if you offer them the ability to do parts of the sales process that they love and not other parts of the sales process that they don't love. So for a typical like B2B business, I'm curious what you're seeing is the average lead time or the number of like touch points that you're needing to go from this prospecting stage to when the sales process kind of really starts and you're in those conversations. Mm-hmm. I just tuned into another sales trainer's uh, workshop. I tune in every month. I was telling you about this before our call every month and I download what's working now in business development and it's changing all the time. And this person said that the stats are most salespeople will stop after the third try. Our stats are between the eighth and 12th touch point. And that's if the touch point is of value. If you have a crappy touch point, whole different ball game. You don't, you probably won't even get to the eighth, but it's usually eight to 12 touch points before you are on somebody's radar who you didn't know before to get a disposition. And the disposition could be, yes, I want to meet with you, or that's not really me. You need to speak with someone else, or this isn't in my top 10 right now. You need to call me back later on, right? So eight to 12 touch points. If you give up before then, then you're laying a wonderful foundation for your competitors to come in and get those meetings. And can you maybe uh, share a little bit of detail on what you would consider like a high value touch point versus maybe like an average value and a terrible value touch point? Well, yeah, because we talked about a terrible value one before. So a terrible value one is somebody who says, I would love to meet with you. And, uh, and maybe doesn't even have the ask, but that I would love to meet with you is all about you, has nothing to do with the prospect. You didn't say anything of value to the other person, right? So uh, a medium touch point is somebody who clearly states, this is why it's important to you for us to have that meeting, but maybe they don't actually do a good job with the ask. Right. If you want a meeting, ask for one. So here, the rest of that would be, here are three dates that work for me. Pick the one that works for you, and I'll call you in case it's easier for us to connect that way. That would be a better one. And then actually following up on that in a reasonable time frame is, is part of that too. What are some of the other metrics that you're watching now that you may not have watched uh, last year or the year before? 
So yeah, so a lot of people will watch a number of calls, number of emails, they'll watch the percentage of prospects that are in rotation, uh, the number of total leads for a campaign, like they'll, they'll watch all of those and they're, they're good to watch. Here are some additional ones that we've been watching to make sure that our clients are on the right track with the exact right prospects and that those right prospects are responsive to the messaging. So the first one, and probably the most important one, is the number of first meetings that go to second meetings. Number of first meetings that go to second meetings. So if what the number should be, 99.9% .9 of your first meetings should go to second meetings. And if they don't, there's one of three reasons why that's not happening. Uh, the first is that it was never the right prospect to begin with, and that's a big offender. When people are thinking about prospect groups, like they may have the personas from marketing, but somehow the persona is not the same thing, by the way, as a person, right? A persona is a marketing term. A person has more to do with sales, but there's somehow a disconnect between the, the personas and the people and the target that leadership wants the sellers to focus on and the prospect list itself. When we go and we look at someone's prospect list and we look at the alignment between what leadership wanted and the prospect list, usually 25% of the prospect list should never even be on there. And that's a terrible uh, efficiency issue that's easily correctable. So the first reason why first meeting wouldn't go to second meeting, it's not the right prospect to begin with. The second reason is because the seller may not have created enough value during the course of that first meeting for the prospect to feel that a second meeting is a good idea for him or her. And the last one, and this is the biggest offender, is that the seller doesn't ask for the next meeting, which is so easily correctable. Like when we're setting meetings for our clients, and now that most of the meetings are Zoom meetings, not all of them, but most of them are, we do a warm handoff meeting where our senior level door opener is on the meeting with our client and we introduce the client to the prospect, lay the foundation for the conversation, turn the meeting over. We expect our client to manage that conversation, do a good job. We provide pointers and things like that ahead of time. But then at the end, we coach our clients to get that next step and get a date and time on the calendar. If our client doesn't ask for the date and time, the door opener will jump in there and get it. So 99.9% .9 of these first meetings go to second meetings. The right prospect, the right conversation, and ask for that date and time. So that's that's the first metric, Alex, that, that we're watching. So met metric number two, which is really important, is what we call the NNR exercise. Non-revenue generating activities versus revenue generating activities. What percent of your time weekly is spent on non-revenue generating activities? And how much of that time can be removed so that you can increase revenue generating activities? If you want more revenue, you need more time for revenue generating activities. And so like, here's a great example. Your boss comes into the office and asks you for this report that you know is going to take you two or three hours to do. Well, I encourage the sellers to manage expectations with the boss and just say, I can totally stop what I'm doing and do this report, but I want you to know it's going to prevent me from making the next 30 prospect calls. What's important to you? And it's very possible that either the report can be done by someone else 
or maybe it's not that important to report, but let's all keep our eye on the ball because if you want more revenue, you need more time for revenue generating activities. There's an article on my site and I'll give you that information when you're ready for it. Uh, called the NNR exercise, which shows you how to keep track of time in, in uh, quarter hour increments over two weeks and adding up the N and the R so that you can have more R and less N. We've got just one minute left. Love to leave it to you for any final thoughts, any final things you want the community to know or that we should be thinking about as we continue to prospect and, and grow our businesses. So here's some thoughts to leave you with is that sales is really important for everyone. Getting in the door and having that first meeting is critical. If you don't get the first meeting, you don't get to do anything else. So when sales teams are really busy managing clients or opportunities that are already midway down the funnel, and those do deserve a lot of time, make sure you're protecting the top of funnel and that you have enough coming in the top of funnel so that you will have opportunities flowing through the middle and you'll be able to make your numbers, not just this year, but next year to fill your pipeline. If you need more help, doing that or figuring out how to get that done, especially if your prospects are at the executive level, it's it's possible to have outside help like from, from a company like ours with the door opener service to get that process done so that your sellers will always have new opportunities coming into the fold and they can focus on what only they can do, which is bringing those opportunities to a close. So think about doing sales differently now that uh, we've we'll hopefully have the pandemic in our rearview mirror as we move out of this time period. It can be done differently and may need to be as executive level decision makers are now able to find the information they need to make decisions without leaving their offices. You need to be able to reach them where they are. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.